the news started breaking yesterday, it's been confirmed, Matt Rule is going to take the head coaching job at Nebraska and try to restore that program. It looked as if that had gotten away from Trev Alberts, but he went back to Matt Rule and got it done. What do you think of the hire? I think it's a great hire. Matt Rule is a program builder. Like, Nebraska is not a, a team that's going to get – they're not going to compete with Ohio State and Michigan for elite-level athletes. So what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to develop guys, and Matt Rule showed you at Baylor he could do it amongst the worst circumstances ever. And don't look at him in the NFL, by the way, and say yes. he, he failed so he's not going to be able to coach in college football. I think he's tailor-made for kids and, and developing kids in college. I think Matt Rule is an excellent hire. I what made you decide to go ahead and take the Nebraska job now? I, I think it was really two things. Uh, you know, the further you're away from it, the, the more you miss the players, uh, the more you miss uh, the locker room and coaching. And then, you know, this is Nebraska. This, this, is, this is a team that I grew up uh, not just watching. I mean, this is a team that I grew up revering. And so, uh, you know, Trev Alberts, uh, Admiral Ted Carter, uh, they ran an unbelievable uh, search. And I, I could see right away that the leadership is right. There's tremendous alignment. It's got the greatest fan base in football, uh, storied history, a storied tradition. And at the end of the day, I just felt like, you know what, it fits me. I'm, I'm a guy that likes to go places and, and, and develop players. You know, that, that's my passion in life is, to watch players grow on and off the field. And, and no one in history has done that uh, better than the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And so uh, it just seemed like the right fit, and I'm excited to get That was head coach Matt Rule, and this is episode 65 of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker Fan Podcast, where we try to be sweet, but sometimes we do get salty, and we are, of course, hosted by your favorite father-son duo. I'm Ken. And I am Scott. And I know we are exactly one week late to the party and what a wild week it was, but uh, we're here to talk about all things Matt Rule and his new coaching staff as it stands today. Joining us for the conversation later here, hopefully in about 10 minutes, will be Brian Knutson from the Husker Army podcast. So really don't have a whole lot to do other than just kind of go through the list of how things kind of went down over this last week, Scott. Uh, especially leading up to the Iowa game. Of course, a lot of scuttlebutt was going around. There was some whisperings that Matt Rule might be hired, uh, might be the guy on Thursday. There was two or three weeks before that. You heard that Matt Rule might have been the guy as well after he was fired from Carolina, and then it seemed like that went away. And then come Friday, right before the uh, Iowa game, you started really hearing that, yeah, it looks like it's likely they're this close to finishing the deal. And uh, I remember seeing some of the, some of the folks on Twitter were kind of all up in a kerfluffle because they're like, oh, as if this team needs another distraction, right? Which I get it. But um, anyway, do you remember going into that Iowa game? Was was it uh, kind of in your mind that Matt Rule was probably going to be the guy that was going to get named? Yeah, just based on how frequent I was seeing his name float around on Twitter with inside sources and Yada, 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 yada. So I, I kind of just assumed that was probably going to be the name we were going to see. Um, and if it wasn't going to be the name that we saw, it better be like out of this park. You know, it better be a, a hire that I wasn't expecting, but I'm pleasantly surprised with because I mean, if, if the, if the litmus test was uh Matt rule, it's not a bad hire. It's not a good hire. It's, it's kind of just right in the middle of the road, a sustainable hire. And so I was just sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, well, it better be this guy because if it is this guy, if this is what everybody's thinking it is, 
that must have been the best that uh, that uh, Trev Alberts was able to scrounge up. And so if it wasn't going to be him, I, I kind of feared that it was going to be just some random name from some small college <laughs> somewhere that we hadn't even considered yet. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, I've, and, and to be honest, I, I honestly didn't, I, it's not that I didn't care. It's just like, I was more focused on Iowa and yep. how that game was going to play out. And I just knew mm-hmm. that the next day was going to be a good day of football and we were likely going to, uh, find out anyway. So. Yep. And speaking of the next day, it was, it was brilliant move, uh, in my opinion, by Trev Alberts. I mentioned it last week on our show to, uh, get the, news out there officially during college game day leading up to Ohio State Michigan the game of the week game of the year really and we dominated basically the college game day news cycle with the announcement uh, I think during the nine o'clock hour that Nebraska was it was expected that Matt Rule would be hired and then they interviewed him on, on game day as well so um, that was pretty cool I don't watch game day so I had to go out to YouTube and find it and uh, I don't know did you happen to catch I, I only put like a minute's worth of the actual interview in our intro video there because he was actually on on with them for about five minutes. It was a really good interview. I don't know if you caught any of it or saw it on YouTube at all. Uh, to be honest, no. I I should have done a better deep dive into this, which was my plan this afternoon, but I was a ding-dong and uh, mis, mis, uh, misread or misheard or... Honestly, just didn't uh, remember that we were podcasting at 4.30. So I thought I had like another like two hours to really sit and dig through all the mm-hmm. information and watch the the introductory press and all that stuff. But here I am. It's 4.30 or it was 4.30. Now it's about 5 p.m. And I haven't done anything. So uh, this is going <laughs> to be a fun time. But no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't watched the introductory press at all but I need to, well, I will. It's, it's worth, it's definitely worth a watch. And which leads me right up to the next thing I wanted to talk about here, about the hiring process, especially this last week, uh, Monday got the news on my phone, which if anybody has a hookers.com app or don't have it, please get it downloaded to your phone and set it up for text message alerts. And you get a lot of really cool info right from the university, usually before it gets released in the press. Uh, so I found out first thing in the morning, Monday morning, that they were inviting any fans and, and the students to come to Gate 20 to welcome Coach Rule to uh, to the stadium, to his press conference. And they did kind of this long uh, tunnel type deal. I don't know what they call that, the Unity Walk or whatever it is. And uh, he came in. And so we were there. We were right next to the rail. He walked right by us. Um, gets up on the steps, Trev introduces him, Matt says a few things, something to the effect of, holy cow, you know, I thought they, they basically told me we we're just going to pull up to gate 20, walk in the stadium, and I had no idea this was going to happen. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea what you're in for, dude. <laughs> and then he threw five um, autographed footballs out to the crowd, one of which your mom caught. It's right back there. Lit up with a little bit of a red light there uh, on the fireplace mantle, and uh, she was she's still pretty stoked about it. So we bought the it's in a little plastic case that she bought from Shields, and um, you know I've got two commemorative national championship footballs somewhere in this place, and never bought a case for any of those. But you know she catches one from Matt Rule, and God dang it, we got to go to Shields and buy a case. So, uh, <laughs> and then they let the public go into the stadium and uh watch watch the news conference up on the jumbotron which was really cool 
Honky from the Go Big Red cast was there. So he hung out and sat with us. And I swear to God, your mom had a death grip on that football while she was sitting there. It was great. She just like huddled over the thing. It was pretty funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, that he, he, he didn't just hit a home run. I mean, I remember, I remember when Trev said at the press conference firing Frost that, you know, nah, I'm not going for the home run. We're not going to try to hit the home run with the press conference. We're going to find the right guy. Well, then he finds the guy that hits about as good a home run at press conferences as I've ever heard. Uh, I would call it a grand slam, really. And I know a lot of people are like, ah, he's a son of a preacher, man. He's really good at speaking and talking in platitudes and all that stuff. But, you know, when I hear stuff like physicality and fixed line of scrimmage first, <laughs> that's red meat for me. Uh, that That means something to me. So... And you haven't seen it yet, so it's kind of hard to ask you to comment on it. Was that the Just, one? Was the, uh, so there was a separate introductory press in some interview room? Yeah, it was in Hawks Championship Center, which is the indoor practice facility there under the stadium or, or oh, next okay. to the stadium. And then they had the public go, you know, the plebes. <laughs> the poor serfs got to sit out in the stadium. We didn't get to go in Hawks Championship Center, but... Uh, it was pretty big, pretty elaborate. If you watch it, you'll be amazed. It's like uh, Nebraska football YouTube channel is the best place to see it because it's got the best audio quality, best video quality. And they did a whole hour leading up to it with Greg Sharp and Damon Benning and Jessica Cootie and uh, just interviews with former players and things like that. So it was pretty cool, really good coverage, and it's an outstanding yeah, press seen- conference. I've seen clips like I watched. There was one clip that was on my YouTube shorts that was recommended to me. I think it was Hail Varsities. And then um, mm-hmm. and then there was another clip that I think that rolled on my Instagram. So I have seen I've seen the clip where he talks about like focusing. Yeah. on like the line of scrimmages and like that's his like you don't win football games if you don't win the line of scrimmage. Yep. Um and then I, I felt like there was one other thing. Oh, yeah, talking just about development, just like mm-hmm. getting development. And then another another video clip I saw was uh, of him when he was uh, the head coach at Baylor um, talking about being a family and being, you know, a home yes. for these kids and that, you know, they're not just going to provide good football and, and good facilities mm-hmm. and all that. They're going to provide a good home for these kids and blah, 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 yep. blah. And so, yeah, I've I've seen just little snippets, but I haven't watched it all in full. So, disclaimer: I will yep. at least be a little bit, <laughs> little bit uh behind it's the times, but it's I will good. still give my <laughs> shit opinion. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> it was. Uh, Dom makes a great point here too. He's been watching since we started this, and uh, he said that was a great press conference. Rule and Trev both did great. Loved hearing Rule talk about being a part of the community with his family. You know, I'm talking about a contrast. I mean, between Frost and Rule, Frost walks up and says, you won't go near my family. You won't talk to my family. You won't try to reach out and get comments from my family or you won't have access to me. At first, I was kind of like, okay, so he's a private person. Now I'm like, no, he's kind of a dick. (laughs) Whereas Matt Rule was really all about, no, we're not coming here to be live in seclusion. He made a very bold point about that during the press conference. We're not going to sit here. And live in seclusion. We're going to be part of the community. And then he lived up to his word right after the press conference. Somebody saw him at a fairly local, uh, popular local restaurant then that night for dinner. So, yeah, and he um, was just—he was, was just seen. Was it in? Was it in Norfolk? He was just out at mm-hmm. some brewery. Yep, seen like yesterday or something like that. Um, getting some brewskis. 
It's from some recruiting trip. I think he was going on to see some high school kid. Um, I can't remember yeah. now. It was on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter. They've been all oh. over the state, which has been exciting to see too, which we'll talk about here in a little while. We've got some recruiting info that we're going to jump into as well. And then, of course, just as it seems like we're looking like, you know, Mickey Joseph's going to be the guy that's going to be added to the staff. They just had to work out some details. Then Wednesday happens. Um, just a tragic horrible story. Uh, not much we can say on it folks, because there's nothing else to say other than what the police have released so far. And quite frankly, the details are just not something I want to talk about. I just don't. Um, our thoughts and prayers are truly with the Joseph family, the entire Joseph family. And I just, my hope is that whatever details that may be true or may not be true, that all of that comes to light by the time all this is said and done, And that uh, if it's just a horrific, awful mistake made by a man that might scar him for the rest of his life, or if maybe there's another truth that uh, needs to come to light, I just pray that it does. Regardless of how it affects us as fans, I just hope that the truth comes to light. Well said. Yeah, I I don't want to talk too much about it because I think my dad already said this, but there's probably nothing we could say that hasn't been heard or dug into at this point. yeah, it's just a it's just a big bummer. That's that's really all it is. It's a big bummer. It's heartbreaking, and it we're just gonna have to take that L as a fan base. Another L on our board on our bingo yep. card of of mishaps and mistakes and <laughs> national controversy and all that stuff, and just move yeah. on and see what see what the future holds for us. And uh, yeah, if some more. Uh, Evidence aside from just the initial police report comes out, then maybe we'll talk about it later. But at, as of right now, all we all we could possibly do is speculate, spread rumors, and give our you know our in uh, 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 mm-hmm. intuitive opinions, which is just not good or healthy at this point. So, right, um, yeah, we'll just be speculating and uh, based on details that we really don't know the depth of at this point. So, absolutely. Um, Well said. Absolutely well said. So let's just take a look real quick before we move on to the coaching staff. This is Matt Rule's resume as a college football coach. Seven total years. Uh, Temple, he was there for four seasons. Two of those seasons were 10 wins. I believe he won one conference championship in those two seasons. Uh, Overall record of 28 and 23. He was 19 and 20 at Purdue. Doesn't look all that great, right? But one of those seasons was 11 and 3. The first one was 1 and 11. So talk about a quick turnaround. It seems like that tends to be, whoops, his modus operandi, as uh, so to speak, or MO, I guess would be the way you should say that. Um, 47 total wins, 43 losses, 522 winning percentage, four bowl games, three wins, one loss, won 10 games or more three times, won less than seven games three times. So basically that's why he's at that 500 record. And we know he doesn't have a very good record against teams in the top, top, 25 uh, but he did finish ranked his teams did finish ranked in the top 25 twice including one team in the top 15 so he's ended ranked a couple times i can't remember the last time i can remember us being ranked it's certainly four coaches ago <laughs> so i think it was or, 2010 or i think 2010. it was 2010 after the big 12 championship we game yep that would have been the last time we ended a regular season ranked. I think so. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but that's Maybe the last was, time I can remember. Yeah. 
Yep, it's very possible. Maybe there was a season we ranked fairly low at the end of the season when we played in the Big Ten. I, I don't know, maybe the first year. I don't remember for sure. Uh, but, you know, hey, I'll take anything I can get. Get us to a bowl game, Matt. That's really all I'm really concerned about at this point. Get us back to the point where we're not – where there's a product that's proud to that we're proud to watch on field, which is another really key point he made in his pre- opening comments at the press conference too. Something that will be – I'll be interested to hear your uh, result, your uh, comments on somewhere down the road. So anyway, he started hiring some assistants almost immediately. One of the first ones that kind of came to light was Marcus Satter, Satterfield. Man, I'm going to have a hard time with that name, as just about everybody does. Um, his career as a rule assistant. He was with them at Temple. He was with them at Baylor for two years. Uh, and he was assistant offensive line coach for one year at Carolina before he took the offensive coordinator job at um, South Carolina over the last two years. He was also a head coach at Tennessee Chattanooga, where he amassed the whopping 6-16 six and 16 record. Um, and he played one wide receiver punter at East Tennessee State from 1995 through 1998. So he was in college playing football. Whoops, I keep doing that. Uh, about the same time as uh, Rule was. So uh, they kind of come from that huh, guy, the age of guys that I used to watch play when we were dominant. So that certainly makes me feel old. Thanks, coaches. Appreciate that. But he did say he wanted a young, energetic staff, and Satterfield's right there, same age as Rule, probably in that 45 to 47-year-old range. So I don't know much about Satterfield. I uh, didn't do too much of a deep dive except to take a look at all these numbers. And I do know that his offense put up over a thousand yards on both Clemson and Tennessee in the final two games of the year. So apparently he did something right there. And, uh, and he also coached Spencer Rattler to his best collegiate season, I believe as a passer. So, yeah. Uh, and he's coming in to not just coordinate the offense, but also coach tight ends. So, which is something he has quite a bit of experience at. Um, any thoughts on Satterfield? Any thoughts on uh, – because you're going to notice a pattern here as we go through these slides, everybody. There's either a tie to Temple, a tie to Baylor, a tie to Carolina, or a tie to all three. So um, he's going with guys he knows and guys he's coached with and been su- successful with in the past. So any thoughts on uh, ROC? Yeah. I mean, I tried, this is the one guy that I first did kind of a deep dive on and it's kind of really hard to gauge what exactly it is that he's going to bring to Nebraska. Um, at least predictably, um, Oh, what is his, what is his offensive style? Is it like the spread? Is that what they do? Cause I, isn't that the way Matt rule did his, did his thing? He did like a spread. Type of thing. Oh yeah, and he is forty six. He is forty six. Yeah. Um, Matt was more of a. He was kind of a spread option, spread type team at Baylor. He was more I formation at Temple. Um, I heard tell that he was on a radio show somewhere after the press conference when Nebraska introduced him, talking about the fact that the fullback could be coming back. So you might see some I formation. He also did. Excuse me. Goodness, lunch is kicking. Um, he did mention in his press conference that it, he said, we'll do some spread, but we're not going to base our entire offense on the spread. We're going to get back to old-fashioned uh, lineup and smash people football, So, which I thought was cool. 
Yeah, uh, I'd so say that no, my, is familiar with that with him. I'm, so I'm pretty I'm I'm just pretty caught up on on figuring that out. Um, but what I was gonna say was that uh, yeah, I'd say it's like a mid hire. It's not like overall impressive. It's not right, like it's like too. it jumps off the page. You're just like whoa. I'd say the only thing that you can really look at that jumps off of the page in recent history is just the fact that they knocked off two top 10 teams um, in Tennessee and Clemson. Um, other than that, I mean, South Carolina was kind of inconsistent throughout the year. Um, I think they're ranked like 60, 60th, 70th, something overall total scoring offense um, or overall offense collectively. Um, so, you know, that's mid, you know, a little bit, less than less than desirable but if he brings a good scheme and he and he's got a good offensive right. line and god if he brings uh an offensive or not an offensive whatever i was gonna say an eye formation every once in a while like that's kind of intriguing to me so yep. um yep. yeah like i said doesn't really impress me but doesn't really like there's nothing that jumps off the page that makes me go what are we doing you know like that so that's mm-hmm. at least good. Um, but yeah, yep. not really impressed though. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly not going to wow you. Right. But, but um, we thought we were going to get a wow guy in Scott Frost. You know, we thought that was like the <laughs> well, offensive mind yeah. that we could have possibly ever wanted. And while he's, he's still got a good offensive well, line, it just didn't play out the way we wanted it to. There, so. there, there were quite a few times you'd watch his office and you go, oh, Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you did that. Okay, cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get with Satterfield. I know, I know rule talked about toughness, physicality, getting back to running the football, winning, doing what you have to win in the elements in the big 10, which tends to signal to me, you're not going to see a whole lot of, uh, 3000 yard passing seasons from future quarterbacks, but, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Move it on to, uh, running backs coach. Um, that's EJ Barthel, I believe is how you say his name. Uh, he's been a rule assistant, of course, at Temple, as well as at Carolina in the NFL. He was, he held the director of player personnel title in 2015 at Temple offensive assistant from 20 to 21 at Carolina, and then a scouting intern at Carolina in 2021 as well. Uh, but his last job was when he went to, uh, UConn. And their rushing offense finished 33rd in the country. I get it. It's in the AAC where they generally don't play a whole lot of defense. But that's still Division One football. And he still managed to finish 33rd in the country for rushing UConn. football. For UConn. Yeah. Uh, he was the recruiting coordinator at Penn State back in 2016. Um, if I recall, that is the year that Micah Parsons committed to Penn State. A lot of people attribute... The reason that Micah ended up going there was because EJ Barthel was the recruiting coordinator and was very heavily involved in getting him there. So the guy recruits, uh, and that's another common thread you're going to see in all these slides is the fact that um, these guys are big time recruiters. Um, at least that's my read on the situation. So um <laughs> no, you know, Dom, that's a good question. The, the, the difference, I think, that I'm going to draw between what Rule is bringing in as, as his staff versus what Frost has br- brought in as his staff was the fact that that was the first time 
any of those guys coached together on a power five level, uh, especially in the big 10. Um, at least some of these guys that are coming in with, with rule have had experience turning around programs, both at temple and at Baylor Baylor being at least in the power five. And they returned that thing around quickly after the dumpster fire that it was. I'm not sure if that's something to be worried about Don it, Dom. It's definitely something to think about. Um, I'm just going to wait for results in the field. I mean, the track record with rule is terrible first season while he's basically starting from scratch and then a bowl game in the second season. And then third season when is when things take off. Um, I have a feeling with rule though, you're not going to hear any crap at the big 10 conference meetings going, boy, folks better get us now. Cause come next year when this thing takes off. Yeah. I don't think you're going to hear a whole lot of that from, from rule or his, or his assistants. I think they're um, pretty much grinders anyway. Mm -hmm. He played running back at Rutgers in UMass from 2004 to 2008, was a running backs coach at Albany in 2016, Howard in 2019, 2018, and William and Mary in 2019. Uh, so he's done a lot of running back coaching and he's moved himself up the ranks. So I don't know. I don't see this, you know, I, I can't grade a coaching hire, right? I mean, there's really not much of a resume uh, to work with with EJ, except for the fact that he took UConn to the 33rd best rushing attack in the country. So for me, that gives him, I rank him about the same as I do rule, probably in that B minus to B range. So how about you? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, once again, nothing that really jumps off the page that makes you go, oh, wow, other than kind of the recruiting aspect for like, yeah, like you said, Micah Parsons, um, not really a wow to me. Um, I mean, yeah, he did some things at UConn. It was UConn. Got to add, you got to really stress that, that he was able to create a, a pretty substantial running game at UConn, which has had zero identity to their mm -hmm. football team for the last half a decade. Um, yep. and more and more, especially in the last half decade. Um, so I'll give him credit for that, but nothing really, nothing really that just like makes me go, wow, that's fantastic. Um, except for the fact that he's got a pretty, pretty dope beard. Um, that's pretty yep. impressive. So, yep. you know, a lot of question marks, not really, not really something like, uh, which you could look at with, uh, with our previous running backs coach, which I am completely blanking on his name right now. Um, Brian Applewhite. Brian Applewhite. I mean, he had he had a track record of putting yep. absolute stellar dudes um, out on the field. And so if I were comparing him just between he and Applewhite, I'd say it's definitely a downgrade. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'd give it like a I'd give it like a C minus. Not nothing that really jumps off the page. I mean, nothing mm -hmm. that really fails, but um yeah, not, nothing that really makes me go, wow. So, so far that's really been, so far as we've gone gone through this list, it's kind of the uh, the trend, but there are some guys. I think the next guy we get into is going to be at least somewhat of a, an eye popper, but mm -hmm. I can draw some lines between the next guy we talk about that we'll get into. But yeah, it's not really, it is well, what it is. Yeah, the next guy... Um... <laughs> nickname in the NFL was pot roast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got to love those. It, it, somebody called him on a, on, on a 
on a uh, podcast I was listening to. Somebody called him Pork Chop, and uh, they were like, "No, that's Corey Ross." <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, I probably don't want to call him Pork Chop, otherwise he's going to get mad and squash me." So, uh, but yeah, Terrence Knighton uh, played it. Temple from 2005 through 2008 as a defensive lineman. I don't remember if Matt Rule, I think Matt Rule was at Temple at that time, just in a different capacity. I don't believe he was coaching, um, might have been coaching defense at that point. I don't remember if he had switched over to offensive side yet at that point. Uh, from Then he went to the NFL, played seven seasons in the NFL, 2009 to 2012 at Jacksonville. Two years at Denver. I don't remember if those were the two years that Peyton Manning was there and he actually won a title. Uh, Washington in 2015, then he was on the practice squad at New England in 20, 2016. His other career highlights as a coach, he started coaching in 2019 at Wagner where he was a defensive line coach, and then he moved with Rule to Carolina to be the assistant defensive line coach in 21 and 22. Uh, according to what Rule said at his press conference, and I I should go back and look these statistics up, but he did say he had some decent and good defenses at um <clears throat> excuse me, at, at Carolina. So and that's always where he started first, is build the defense first and then work the offense in and play complimentary football. Hey, you know what? Our buddy Brian is here. What's up, buddy? Gentlemen, I made it. I'm late as usual, but I made it. Well, as long as you don't get called late for supper, I suppose. No, not um, you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome aboard, Mr. Brian Knudsen from the Husker Army Podcast. Hanging out. We're going to talk about a few more coaches here, Brian, and then we're going to kind of talk a little bit about some of the boys who've taken off in the portal, some decommits, some recruiting tidbits I was reading on Husker Online. And then uh, we'll talk about the college football playoff before we get out of here. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, dude. Well, we're on Terrence Knighton talking about old pot roast from the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, uh, yeah, yeah, I, for me, this is a hire that terribly lack of experience. No doubt about it. There's not a lot of experience there, but he's done a lot of defensive line coaching and he's played a lot of D line. I have a, feeling this guy might be that real diamond in the rough on this staff that we might really need to get this defensive line over the hump and playing at an NFL level. He did it for seven years, man. Did it for seven years. So, um, Scott, what would you think of uh, old pot roast there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the only thing that I'd say that stands out is just the name. You know, like there's some recognition with him just by his, his name and uh, his past with being a pretty, pretty uh, reliably good defensive lineman throughout the NFL. Um, But yeah, you know, nothing, nothing really impresses me about him. I mean, I'm looking at it right now and the Carolina Panthers were really good with their pass defense in 2021 to 2022. They were in the top five in almost every single uh, category. Um, but their their rush, you know, rush yards allowed, rushing, uh, yeah, there's rushing TDs allowed and whatnot. They're kind of right in the middle of the pack. They're anywhere from 17th to 13th to 18th to 21st. And then they're pretty bad when it, they were pretty bad when it came to, uh, I want to say they're pretty bad. 
that well, basically, what I'm looking at is lineups NFL, and they ranked Carolina overall as a defense as 21st in the nation. And then when you look at the stats that they got for defensive line type stats, uh, yeah, looking at it, it doesn't look too great, doesn't look too bad, kind of middle of the pack. Not, not really, nothing really jumps off the page to you. Um, yeah, I mean, just looking at it, I mean, it's just, it's just not, it's, it's nothing that really stands off the page is basically it. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get with him. If I were to compare him to somebody that we've experienced in recent history, I would compare him to a Donovan Raiola, um, a former offensive line that, you know, has still might be offensive line coach (laughs) still might be, you know, there's, was he handed a really, really crappy situation? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But he hasn't really done anything that makes you go, oh, wow, there, there's a turnaround coming here on our mm-hmm. offensive line. There were some things. There were some things. I would say that I would say that our offensive line from the second half of the season, they were making mistakes less often, but there wasn't really uh there there wasn't like a tangible, like, oh my gosh, look at that. They're stopping something significant um but yeah i just compare him to donovan riola in the sense that it's a name you recognize it there's not much of a rapport that follows behind it and speaks very good like has has that coach speak of like i'm just gonna i'm you know things are gonna change and i'm not gonna tolerate any bs i mean i've seen the video of terrence like just absolutely cussing out his dudes i think that was terrence wasn't it yeah. 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 That was Terrence. Um, so, you know, there are some tangibles to the guy personality and, uh, and, 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 um, kind of those in, I guess it would be intangible as intangibles, you know, things that you can look at and be like, well, he's got a good personality. He seems like he's got his head on his shoulders. He's got a good philosophy. So we'll just see how it plays out, but not really all that impressed. Brian, what do you think? Well, I mean, I'm right there with Scott. I think we're going to have to wait and see, see how it translates over into, you know, the Husker culture. Uh, we we just got to really hope that, you know, we don't need to see a night and day difference come next season, but we've got to see a vast improvement. Yep. I I mean, the, the it's been no secret all season long, the lack of pressure we're getting, the lack of sacks. I, I mean right. – even with blitzes, our, our blitzes were getting picked up relatively easily. Uh, and that I know that falls on defensive coordinator coming up with the schemes and everything. But that defensive line has got to get the initial push. And many, many times this season, we saw our defensive line get pushed around as if they were a high school defense. <clears throat> yeah, especially when, when it was coming, coming to stop in the run. Yes. Uh, certainly. Oof. Anyway, why don't we move <laughs> on to... The guy with the most experience on the staff, and it, I threw together some interesting facts um, on this slide for <laughs> Coach Ed Foley. If you've seen any of his YouTube videos of him hy- hyping up his boys, this dude is a fire plug, man. I'm not sure if he's a football coach or if he's a professional wrestler, because half of his stuff that he does on camera sounds like he's cutting a promo a la Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> so there I go again. See. Um, been coaching in college football for 32 years, spent three years also in the NFL, 
coached at Temple from 2008 to 2018. So all the years that that Rule was there as a head coach, as well as as an assistant, Foley was there too. Uh, he was with Rule for two years as special teams and tight end. Uh, he was an analyst at Baylor in 2019, and then he was an assistant at Carolina all three years as an assistant special teams coach um, under Rule there at California, Carolina. Now, here's the interesting highlights uh, down here. Uh, offensive co- Offensive line coaching experience, 17 years of it. Now, if Riola is staying on this staff, something tells me that Ed Foley is going to be in his ear all the time because Foley's seen it and done it for 17 years on the offensive line. Uh, he's got eight years coordinating special teams. He's got 15 years coaching tight ends. So I have a feeling he's going to help offensive coordinator Satterfield out quite a bit with, with uh, working with the tight ends as well. And he's had six years of experience as an offensive coordinator kind of in the lower levels. So of all the guys so far on this staff, this is the one that kind of decides EJ Barthel. I think Barthel is probably a sneaky good hire at running backs coach. Uh, Ed Volley's kind of got me fired up. I don't know. It seems like that defense, uh, or at least that special teams unit, ought to play with some smoke now. Hopefully, we'll find a guy that can return a damn football once in a while, right? <laughs> um, Brian, what do you think of Foley? Start with you. I mean, you look at the resume, and it's pretty decorated. I, I that's pretty impressive. An offensive line coach for 17 years. I mean, eight years of special teams, 15 as tight end, and six as offensive coordinator, but like you said, on a lower level. But at the same time, I mean, that's a lot of experience. That is very hard to get in this day and age with that many years. I mean, Whipple had probably the most experience as far as years-wise on our staff. And that didn't really work out too well, which we're all okay with. But Foley's got one hell of an impressive resume. I think this is really going to work out. And our special teams was coming up with Bill Bush anyways. So I think he's going to pick up right where it left off and possibly make it even better. Like you said, Ken, maybe we can return a damn kickoff or a punt all the way again. (laughs) Would be kind of nice to see some yards again, right? Scott, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> so when I look at Ed Foley, I think of him as the if there were if there were a, a a name I could give him within this coaching hire cycle that we have, I'd give him a Swiss Army knife definition. Um, he's he's done he's done a lot. Um, I mean, looking at Temple, he was there for ten years and served in seven roles. Well, at least his role changed seven times at Temple might've shared the same role throughout different periods of times, but I mean, he switched seven times. So that means that he is very competent and capable in all areas of the offense and special teams. Um, Well, not all of them, but a good majority of them, offensive line, special teams, tight end, offensive coordinator to bring that in from his previous stints over at a lower division football. I mean, dude's like a Swiss army knife. Um, so if there's anything that I could take away from this guy, there's nothing that really jumps off the page to me that says like, dude is just coaching NFL talent year in, year out all the time. Um, that doesn't really jump off the page to me, but what does jump off the page to me is that, I mean, dude's kept a career since 1989. You don't keep a coaching career for, you know, 30 plus years, 35 years you don't do that 
unless you know what you're talking about. So, uh, good experience, Swiss Army knife type of guy, and then him being hired on as our special teams coordinator, like that must be one of those positions that that Matt Rule was like, "Hey, we'll put you here because you're really good at this, but I know that you're good at all of these other things." And so you are a useful tool to all of these other areas just by being here. Yep. So I, I'd say that out of all of the hires that we've talked about so far, I'd say that this is probably one of the better hires. Yep, I completely agree. So let's move on to the next one. Evan Cooper, uh, defensive backs. It kind of hurts seeing Travis Fisher go out the door because I thought out of uh, all the assistants on the defense, he's the one that's uh, – really done a good job, especially when Bill Bush took over. It seemed like those guys just seemed to clamp down so much better than they used to, with the exception, of course, of the Purdue game, but a lot of people have given up yards to Purdue. <laughs> anyway, when you look at his playing career, of course, he played at Temple, so he was there from 2006 through 2009. Um, he was also an assistant to Matt Rule at both Temple and Baylor, and um yeah, he's done a lot of defensive line, defensive backs, cornerbacks coach in 2019, recruiting coordinator 2017 through 2019 at Baylor. So a lot of those good classes that came in that Dave Aranda was able to take advantage of. Evan Cooper was uh, rather instrumental in bringing those guys there. So we're seeing some recruiting prowess here with this hire. And here's hoping. I didn't look up any of the stats on the defensive side of things because you know I was just trying to find resumes at this point, throwing this thing together. And uh, maybe as we go through, you know what, once we get the rest of the staff figured out, uh, as we go through our big red roundtable sessions over the next few months, Scott, we can do a little bit of a deeper dive on how these guys coached and what their position groups, uh, how they performed during their careers. So um, that might not be a bad, bad, uh, bad plan to go forward. Um, but we're just kind of getting to, getting to know these guys at this point. For me, okay, hopefully he's as good as Travis Fisher. I don't know. Apparently he's pretty good at record, recruiting because that Baylor team got good in a hurry. So I think he's brought in more than anything because uh, the recruiting is going to be, I'd say that's probably a, I'm not sure about the coaching. So uh, we'll start with you, Scott, your thoughts on Evan Cooper. We've got to kind of move along because I'm hoping to leave by six. Okay. <laughs> there's there's a Christmas thing at, at That's church fine. tonight. So and I'm sorry, I got I get long winded too. So Hey, it's that time um, of year, man. It's the holidays. Ding skippy it is. Go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I'd say this is one of the better hires too, just because of his recruiting prowess, um, with some actual numbers to back it. I mean, they signed a 2018 recruiting class at Baylor that was able to end up being re-ranked as the number 14 class in the nation by the athletic in 2022. Um, so, I mean, just the, the recruiting prowess is, 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 is good. But then in 2019, Baylor's defensive backfield ranked nationally um, or no. Okay. So, I'll just read it in full. I got I got ahead of myself. In 2019, Cooper's defensive backfield at Baylor helped the Bears rank fifth nationally in interceptions and 18th in pass efficiency defense. So when Baylor was at their when Baylor was at their best, he was right there causing that 
calamity of of all things going right to happen. So um, I like this guy. I like him. He seems like a he seems like a, a pretty uh, stand up guy. And um, I mean, once again, he's got a pretty uh, at least from the picture that you had posted. And I think you got that from Twitter somewhere. Whenever the the trend of new profile picture thing that they've that all the coaches have been doing uh dude's got a yep. gnarly beard so uh congrats on that <laughs> brian go ahead <laughs> yeah i like the hire as well i mean it sucks to see fisher go i really did think as far as our defense went this season our secondary is probably the best part of it i mean they they played their asses off all year and they were mm, yeah. they were challenged the entire year so, mm-hmm. but once teams figured out they could run, yeah, that changed. So, um, no, I think this is a great hire. Scott, totally agree with you on the recruiting part there. It, it you know, this looks like, for the most part, a younger staff, gentlemen. Yep. And so, I think we really need to kind of buckle down here and realize that these guys, it, it, we're finally seeing coaches that are going to start being younger than us now. And, and uh. that's kind of crazy. <sighs> maybe not me but they're definitely getting closer in age where i'm starting to look at some of these guys where they're like in their mid-30s and i'm like wait a second that's I'm like seven that years away yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Oh, that makes my balls shrivel up a little bit it's definitely a good hire i like what rules doing here uh i i think we're gonna see the secondary kind of continue where they left off if not maybe be a little bit better like you said scott the way they ranked nationally as far as interceptions, things like that. That's what we need. We need the turnovers. Yes. Yep. We need a. We need a. We need to really make our identity. Not to get off track here, I'll say it really quick. Um, if we could make two things our identity at Nebraska right away, one be trenches and two turnover differential. If we fix those two things right away, dude, I'm I'm out of I'm blown out of the water. I'm stoked. Trenches and turnovers, the two T's of football. The two T's, T's that everybody wants. <laughs> and turnover. Well, there's another T that I like too, but I can't say that on a family show. Um, <laughs> Tenactin. <laughs> Tenactins, yes. Yes, exactly. exactly. All right, uh, Brian, you are up because you said you were going to take a look at this guy. I didn't find a whole lot. So I don't know if you've got much other than the fact you don't want to meet this guy in a back alley when he's pissed off. That's exactly uh, that's about all first. I know about him. <laughs> that, that's the first thing anybody should know about him. For one, this guy's beyond jacked. He looks like the Incredible Hulk. It, 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 it's awesome. So Corey Campbell, <laughs> the new strength and conditioning coach, uh, played fullback at Georgia from 2010 to 2013. So, I mean, okay. think about that. You're playing fullback yep. at Georgia. And he was a walk-on and then earned a two-year letterman. So this man knows what work ethic is. He knows what it takes to earn that spot. So then we go on to what he's done with strength and conditioning. 2016 strength and conditioning uh, assistant at Cincinnati for the Bearcats. Um, did a great job there. Also worked with the golf team and other athletics there. Then he had a brief stint with Jeff Brom at Purdue and was responsible for designing supplementary programming aimed at aiding lean mass to underdeveloped players, planning performance preparation, and recovery regeneration sessions. This guy's on the cutting edge of strength and conditioning every year. 
at Baylor. Now, he from 2017 to 2020, he helped develop 17 future NFL players, and including five draft picks, three All-Americans, 16 All-Big 12 selections. This guy knows what it takes to get everything out of players. Mm -hmm. Matt Rule hit a home run here, in my opinion. Yeah, I. You know what? If if looks, if looks were the only only thing, that's a hell of a resume. Um, You know, hey, if there was anything I wanted to see change right from the get-go, once we knew we were going to be getting a different head coach, I was just praying that the guy that came in was like, oh, yeah, Zach, stick around. Um, Because I think, you know, yeah, our players look the part now. No ifs, ands, or buts, but there's something that's not. The dots aren't connecting in the strength and conditioning level, especially on that line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, hey, you go from walk-on to letterman to getting your scholarship at Georgia, you're doing something right. So. Fullback um, too. I mean, oops. my goodness, <laughs> a, a fullback in the SEC is just ridiculous. Anyway, I was trying to figure out how to get this to show up. <laughs> you just threw it in there as a background, or did you do a share screen? <laughs> um, well, it changed it up. That's for sure. I just did it yeah. as a background, but uh, I was kind of hoping <laughs> I could figure out a way to move our cameras around. I was just, I just got the photo. For those who've just listened, the I, just, the veins that are I got the ones larger than the, my legs. Yeah. Yeah. Big old muscle muscles McGee. So, um, <laughs> yeah, well that was a failure. That's okay. That's back to back weeks with some sort of defined <laughs> L. So there we go. Well, that's all right. Well, how about you? You pretty big into Campbell, Scott. You think that's pretty good, pretty good move by rule. I do. I think getting somebody younger in there, that's going to really fire these kids up is, uh, and, I walk in and go, yeah, I don't want to mess with him. I need to get as big as him. So, um, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, I think, I think it does speak. I think it speaks volumes when your strength and conditioning coach that is in the workout rooms with the students that looks the part. He, he mm-hmm. looks like he practices what he preaches which that was probably one of the downfalls of Zach Duvall is he had all the theory in his head, but I mean, dude looked like he, the only workout he got was going to McDonald's and ordering an, you know, tons of large combo meals. So he was a butterball. Looked like he was good at uh, smashing those uh, five guys burgers every day. Yeah. He had that yeah. Down. So yeah, if there's, if there's one thing that I could take away with, with a definite, like, tip my hat is that he looks like he practices what he preaches and definitely mm-hmm. looks like he is just a fitness guru. So let's, let's hope it's what, what we needed to change our strength and conditioning program around, because I'm still, I, I do appreciate uh, if, if those of you who are listening, you didn't listen to our conversation. Uh, one of those that we had where honky was, uh, was guest on, you know, I, I appreciate honky's perspective of, that we have state-of-the-art technology, state-of-the-art programs, but um, I, I do really think it does still just fall onto the, well, I mean, the guy, the the brain behind all of it. So yep. Um, yep. we'll see what we got in this guy. See, mm-hmm. Like you said, there's not much you can find about him other than just some, some prestigious, uh, some prestigious 
forms of study and uh, expertise. So we'll see if that translates to the go. field. Yeah, that's what Todd's saying right there in that comment. Yep. Uh, my buddy down there in the, in the old K-State down there. Uh, <laughs> also, the special teams coach is the head coach in the offseason, running the offseason workouts to hire makes sense. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. I have a feeling he's already kicking their butts because it's winter workouts. So oh, unless yeah. they're gone for Christmas already. But, um, no, but I think those gentlemen are going to be throwing up until it's about Christmas right now. Yep. Yep, probably. So. <laughs> yep. And there's one that just popped out this afternoon. It's not official. I haven't seen it on the website yet. Maybe it's been up since I first looked at it. Uh, Zach from Church of the Corn popped up uh, some of these stats on his Twitter feed. So I stole them. Thank you, Zach. Uh, played, of course, at Temple. Imagine that. 2012 and 2013 had a career ending injury after lettering two years in a row. And started working in coaching almost immediately after he got his degree in 2016. Quality control assistant at Baylor in 2017, 2018. Went to Lehigh, coached defensive ends and outside linebacker at 2019 and 2020. And then at Carolina as an assistant, defensive assistant, and then whatever the hell a coaching assistant is in 2021 at Carolina with Rule. So um, not exactly exciting, but he played the position much like our previous linebacker coach did. So maybe... Maybe this is a guy that can go out there and real old Ernest Hausman back into the fold. It would be kind of nice uh, now that we have a coach uh, coach in-house ready to do that. Brian, your thoughts on – it's hard to know much because we don't even know if it's official yet or whether it will be. But uh, I don't know. A guy that played the spot seems to make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, just at what you got there, I'm kind of intrigued by this because – Think of how young he is and how recently he's just gotten done playing the game himself. So that's still very fresh in his mind. <clears throat> he knows exactly how today's football works at that position. So the fact that that is all still so fresh in his mind and he's able to take it from what he's literally just stopped playing and implement it into these young players, I think this is a hell of a hire, truthfully, if, if it's official. Yep, I got you. How about you, Scott? No idea. <laughs> Not a clue. Well, yeah, we don't know. We don't know until we see the product, right? I mean, yeah. this is going to be his first, technically his first Power 5 shot, except for his defensive quality control assistant at Baylor, but he's coached in the NFL at least a little, done some stuff, so we'll see. I mean, yeah, I get it. There's a lot of people out there probably listening to us right now and going, my God, this is Buddy Hire Part 2. <laughs> well, that's what Riley brought people in that he trusted. Frost brought in people he thought he could trust to get things going at Nebraska. And that's what Matt Rule is doing. And he's made it quite clear in a couple of interviews I've listened to where he says, I want guys that are going to come in and do what I want them to do. And that's who I'm going to hire. But he's going younger. You know, guys maybe with a little bit less experience, but. You know, you got a guy like Ed Foley on staff. You've got a guy like Satterfield on staff that's done some coordinating for a while. You never know. And hey, we might, the big splash that might be coming might be a defensive coordinator that I don't know might be coaching in a playoff game here in about a month. So who, who, we don't who know that for about, sure. And I haven't heard anything about a defensive coordinator or anything yet. Who, I, <clears throat> who is he? One of the co-defensive coordinators at Georgia has been a name that's been flopping around. I don't think Phil Glenn Snow's in play. Schumann. Glenn Schumann, that's the oh. one. 
I would be um, very happy with that. I'm not I, gonna I, lie. I'd take it. Yeah, I'd certainly take it. You know, have I, a guy like that, that in here. Title game, and I was thinking, my God, wouldn't it be great to have a, a defensive coach like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. Well, there's one more that popped up earlier today. Omar Hales played at Temple. Shocker. Didn't have any dates on anything, on any of the information I looked for. I couldn't find technically any dates, really. And I, it was getting close enough to going live that I didn't want to slide too deep into it. But he was a graduate assistant and a recruiting assistant under rule at Temple. Imagine that. A recruiting assistant at Rutgers before going to Baylor and was a director of scouting and defensive QC assistant 2019 when he was there at Baylor. Uh, helped bring in that big class, that good class uh, that I think Miranda really started taking off with this last year. Um, was at Carolina, obviously, with Rule as a Bill Walsh coaching fellow. I have no idea what the hell that means, what? but sounds cool with Bill Walsh in front of it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but he was, and then he went to Eastern University as their special teams coordinator. Now I guess he's coming here. My guess is he's going to be kind of in the background, recruiting assistant, a scouter, work in the scouting department, something in that in that effect. But, uh, yeah, he just changed his profile pick today. So uh, nothing official on the university website yet. But uh, that's pretty much it. That's all the slides I have, gentlemen, as far as the coaches are concerned. Um, let's move on to – let's just talk about the fallout of hiring a brand-new coach. And we know it all comes. This is what – this is part of the deal. You're going to yep. lose players. Um, and I had a feeling with the story that broke earlier in the week with Mickey that we'd lose some of his guys too, namely yep. DeColdis Crawford, uh, offensive lineman Brent Banks, Jaden Gold is gone, Kamonte Grimes is gone. The one that hurts, there's two of them that hurt for me. And that's number one, Ernest Tausman. Number two, Brendan Frankie. Chase Contreras was probably never going to win the job from Timmy Bleak Road anyway next year. Yeah. Um, or whoever ends up coming in, Alvarado or whatever. I think we got one more year of Bleak Road, don't we? Yeah, I think um, so. So yeah, losing our so. kickoff special and losing losing the guy that I thought was going to become the heart, soul, the heart and soul of the defense in the next year or two in Hausman. Ouch. Um do you think this, there's much hope that as his staff continues to get filled out that some of these guys, if they don't find a landing spot fairly quick, could come back? Scott, what do you think? I think so. I I think it was probably uh, it was probably a correct response for some of these kids if they committed to the program for a coach that once the coach left, it made sense for them to immediately start putting their name out there and figure out what other options and what other relationships they could establish with other coaches from other programs. Start start that ball right away. Um, but I think if, I mean, they've already met with Malachi Coleman. They've already met in his house. Um, so it's it's a matter of, going into the living rooms of these players and sitting down with them and saying, listen, I know your coach left, but this is what we can bring. This is what we bring to the table for you now. You know, this is, this is our, uh, this is our uh, uh, offer to you again, essentially. Um, so, I mean, I would really like to see Mal- Malachi Coleman recommit. I would, I mean, I don't think we're going to get an O'Marion Miller back. That's probably off the table. Um, but if we could convince Ernest Hausman to come back, I mean, dude's a Nebraska native. I mean, let's 
let's get this kid back on board, give him some confidence and some and some security about the program moving forward and go from there. And maybe that's why we haven't seen more names pop up is they're already on the forefront of going to a lot of kids' living rooms and maybe they've had a locker room uh, or a, 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 a meeting with the team and saying like, hey, if you are considering leaving the program because of everything that's come to light recently, please come to my office. Let's let's have a conversation. Sure. Um, yep. And, you know, maybe maybe that's what's going on right now. And I mean, God, dude, I hope we get Houseman back like that's maybe that's me reaching too far into my <laughs> fifis and just hoping that I can rekindle yes, that sir. relationship you know, um, but damn, yeah, that was, that was probably that one hurt. heartbreak. That one hurts. And yeah, Malachi Coleman decommitting and a Marion Miller that was next on the list. Uh, obviously both of those guys were deeply tied to Mickey. Um, so that's going to be difficult to get them back in the fold, but based on some of the things I've got written down here in the recruiting stuff that I want to go over here in a minute, uh, it seems Malachi is pretty open to continuing the conversation with rule. So that's a good thing. <clears throat> any thoughts on losing those guys, Brian, that we didn't cover already? Or is there anything else that maybe popped in your mind that are something to consider that there's still some hope <laughs> for yeah, Houseman? Well, <laughs> with Houseman, yeah, there's always hope because like, like Scott said, ruling companies already been in contacts and in-house with Coleman already. So mm-hmm. and there's a possibility he ends up recommitting. I, I mean, he's not shutting mm-hmm. the door on him. So nope. there's hope there. Houseman surprised the hell out of me. I yeah, could yeah, not. I just I couldn't think of the reasoning for him. Now, when you come to the coldest Crawford, look, I get it. Guys like him. Yeah, they're going to go. Frankie was the other one that surprised me. He was in, in my opinion, in no danger of losing his job. And I just don't understand why a kicker transfers to me it's baffling you've got one of the easiest jobs in football you (laughs) do the least in practice no matter where you're at yeah you've got it made you you just you you coast through football and you get a degree once you graduate i mean holy hell what more could you ask for tired of the losing probably i will say in in one sure yep uh when a player does decommit and does go somewhere else or transfers i am one of those people that will unfollow them because to me you have to graduate from here to be considered a husker for life and that's just my personal opinion i got you i'm kind of there too i i I go back and forth on that (laughs) i understand it's a new age in football but it still bugs me that if you don't want to stick it out then you really weren't a husker in the first place but yeah it's nothing personal Yep. It's just you've got to have a degree from here or you had to have played your last year mm-hmm. here to be considered a Husker forever for me. I'm sorry. Uh, Thomas, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's my buddy down in Georgia. He only watches because Scott's a good co-host. So I don't know if he's got a thing for you, Scott, or not. But uh... Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> it's the mustache it's the stash that's right it's absolutely uh so let's just take a look at some of those recruiting tidbits and some of the things related to uh um to malachi coleman along the way here ruling company did spend quite a bit of time in omaha i believe it was yesterday um 
Elkhorn South running back Cole Ballard will be walking on. That's pretty cool. I think he's the best player on their team this year. I haven't really paid too much attention to high school football. Uh, Rule and Satterfield spent yesterday afternoon in Pierce, Nebraska, with tight end Ben Brommer, who came away very impressed with the new Husker head coach. Now, all of this information that I'm reading right here, I actually snagged off of Husker online. Absolutely worth the subscription I did this year just to get some of this info that's not normally available. Uh, He committed to NU in 2021 originally, and then he quietly reopened his recruitment during the season after Frost was fired. And he seems to be open to continuing to talk to Nebraska, which is a good thing. Um, is that the young rule. man had the great game in the state championship? Yeah, broke a record. Oh, yeah. my God, I watched that. My God, yeah, we need him. He went nuts. He yeah. absolutely went nuts. On so. a very on a very stout Aurora defense. Yes. Right. Nevertheless. So that was mind-blowing. Yep. We need good him for- staying home. We got to get him. Yep. So then Rule had an in-home visit with offensive line commit Brock Knutson. I don't know if he says it like he says your name. It's not spelled the same, Brian. So yeah, I'm I don't know. I wonder it's not it's... a long-lost relative or a cousin's 16 times removed or something. I if don't know, it is, but... welcome with open arms. <laughs> yes, sir. You got to be here. We need you. Yes. <laughs> and that was, they went and saw him right after they spent the day with uh, Brommer. So, uh, and then Satterfield met with Caleb Benning, Damon Benning's son on Friday night. And uh, Benning will also, also visited Nebraska today. At least that's what the article said his intent was, was that he was coming to see Nebraska's campus and whatnot today. Uh, Special teams coordinator Ed Foley had an in-home visit with third wide receiver commit Jaden Doss. He's the only one left in the class that's still committed. Um, and they still see him as a returner on special teams as well as a wideout. So hopefully we can keep him on board as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Rule visited Lincoln High to see Iowa State wide receiver commit Ben Ngoi. I don't know how you say that name. I think I did it right. And uh, the reports from Husker Online indicated that he is interested in continuing to talk to Rule in the future. So that's a good thing. And, of course, he also took time and had that in-home visit with uh, decommit Al- uh, Malachi Coleman. Sounded like that visit went quite well as well. So um, that's just some – I've got a few more on here, but we're kind of getting long in the tooth here. And I kind of want to talk about the college football playoff before we go. Um, yep. Got they it. got it right, Jim. Don't exactly you exactly right? Thank God. Yep. Yep. I can only imagine. You know what? I'm going to go off on a rant here for just a minute. Shame on you, Fox. Shame on you for standing there at halftime during the Big Ten championship game and letting Nick freaking Saban plead his case at being the best team, fourth team to get into the playoff. Shame on you. I was so mad about that. That pissed. How come you didn't give, you know, uh, Ryan Day a shot? Well, that's right. They were already in, and you're just hoping that somehow an SEC team. You're a Fox, for God's sakes. You're supposed to be anti-SEC, anti-ESECPN. Shame on you. I mean, give me a break. Nick Saban doesn't need to be. When you've got two losses, you don't get to plead your freaking case on national TV, in my opinion. Am I out of my rocker, guys, or is that I, right? What I what I found was fascinating was it was almost like uh it was almost like Nick Saban admitted on national television that there is SEC bias because he said, 
well, if we were in the college football playoff against these teams that are supposedly ahead of us, would we be favored to win those games or not? Let that Mm -hmm. tell you. And it's like, yeah, you were favored against Tennessee and you were favored (laughs) against LSU. And how did that work out for you? You know, like exactly like, well, they're SEC teams. That's how it worked uh, out. And they're uh, so much better than any of the other teams. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's so annoying. Anyway, your lineup is number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, TCU, and number four, Ohio State. So Georgia and Ohio State will play each other in one semifinal, and Michigan and TCU play each other in the other. Does TCU have a shot? I think they do because they played an awfully physical game against Kansas State. Uh, that was some slobber knocking going on there. And TCU got robbed, in my opinion. They got robbed. They got robbed. There was a bad, bad non-call on a touchdown that tied yep. the game up for K-State that they and completely missed. Not to mention, he broke the plane on, mm-hmm. I believe it was third yeah. and goal. Yeah. And even reviewing it, they didn't give him the touchdown. They barely moved the ball forward. That ball should have been an inch mm-hmm. from that goal line. Yeah, yep. you, you'd almost think that the referees were going, hey, if we make sure that we throw some bad calls out here, Alabama might get in. It kind of felt that <laughs> way because I was saying it that did. too, Ken. Put my tinfoil hat on. It fits <laughs> nicely, I must say. And, well, yeah, I think TCU has a shot against Michigan. I really yeah. do. Uh, but, oh, man, good Lord, those guys look like a hammer this year on offense. That Michigan offensive line is Scary good. So TCU will have fun, their hands full. How fun do you think it would be if if uh, Ohio State pulls off the upset against Georgia and Michigan wins against TCU and we have an all God. Big Ten national championship game, which would just be a completely different flavor than what we're used to. Um, Cue the meltdown down south. Yeah. <laughs> if Alabama would have been left in, they would have they would have made it. And it's like I don't give a crap. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you think Ohio State can match up with Georgia's physicality? I mean, after what Michigan oh, did to them a couple of weeks ago, do you think they can hold up for four? I don't think so. I think no. it's another blowout. Like they what did to LSU. What, I've what seen do you think, Brian? Georgia, what I've seen out of Georgia this year, and this has just been my opinion from about since midseason, they're going to repeat. Yeah. In my opinion, they're com- they're a complete team, all three phases of the game for all four quarters of every game. Does it look pretty every game? No, but what I've noticed, the big games, that's when they turn it on and just beat the hell out of you. Yep, I agree. Hey, we saw it in the SEC title game. Yep. Well, I myself, I've got Georgia and Michigan in the final game and, and Georgia winning it. Yeah. Uh, is that what you've got too, Brian? Georgia versus Michigan and Georgia winning it? That is exactly how I'd see it playing out. I see, I do see TCU giving Michigan fits, though. I think that's going to be a hell of a playoff game. So that one could so go too. either way. How about you, Scott? Who do you got in the finals? Yeah, I mean, I'd be a fool to not pick Georgia and Michigan. I mean... TCU, if if Duggan, it if he doesn't recover from what what did he have like a lot like a rib injury or something like that because he couldn't breathe or something like that yeah like yeah it was yeah nasty. I if I mean yeah I just Michigan looks like a complete team too they're a strong second half um second, so yes yeah they they yeah 
They're they got their the they got half. their strength and conditioning figured out. So, yeah, yeah I go with uh, Georgia winning it all, though. I mean, they're gonna yeah, they just they just got like like Brian said, they've got the complete package on all three phases of their team, and they just do not they just do not let teams beat them mentally. Um, so, yeah, Georgia wins back to back natties and. It'll be a nice, it'll be a nice, like I can sit back and relax and be like, ah, no, no Alabama. Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's the first time in playoff uh, college football playoff history that neither Alabama or Clemson are in the four teams. First time ever that one of those teams is not in it. Um, So a shift. Yeah, it is. It's it's a good shift. I appreciate it. And I could bring this up to you because you remember the glory days. This, yes, sir. this is why I picked Georgia to take the whole thing and repeat. It's because if you look back to our 95 team, not every game was pretty. We didn't blow everybody out. But when the game mattered is mm-hmm. when they took over and took care of business. And that is the nicest thing I'll say about any team. <laughs> I see the same thing in Georgia this year as I saw in our 95 national title team. Sure. That's a good yeah, I, I see a lot of the same tendencies. I see the, a lot of the same thing in the Michigan team, too. The fact that it's an offensive line that commits. They commit to running the ball, and they know that by the third and fourth quarter, the other team's just not going to want to play much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so they're getting blown off the ball, and that's exactly what happened last night. Um, so just to kind of wrap things up, to before we get into our follow info and social media, you know what? It's kind of fun to actually have a coaching staff to follow on Twitter these days that are actually fairly active, especially coach rule and all the pictures of the guys getting Runza. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> and uh, then the 6am picture on uh, Tuesday morning, the day after the press conference of coach rule, taking a picture of from inside the stadium at six o'clock. Uh, that was pretty cool. But of course I, you know, I didn't see it until eight thirty or nine because I am certainly not a grinder, much less a morning person. So, <laughs> but it is fun to follow them on social media. Brian, where can folks follow you guys and your podcast on social media? Pretty simple to find us Twitter, Instagram at Husker army pod. Find us on YouTube, Husker army podcast, anywhere you listen, audio wise, Apple podcasts, uh, Spotify, Buzzsprout, you'll find us. Just Google Husker Army Podcast, man. You'll It'll pop right up. How about you, Scott? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at ScottGenRedPod. That's Scott with two Ts. The second T is silent. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can follow me there. All things Husker. Sometimes, like I said in previous podcasts, sometimes I share, share some dad jokes and uh, maybe some other just random things. But, yep, you know. Follow me on Twitter. All righty. And to follow us and our podcast, go to genredpod.com and click at the click the links at the top of the page. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for past content. Ring the bell for future content. And make sure you like this video. Get it out there to more Husker fans looking for our content. This show is also available for download on your favorite podcast app every Monday at 8 a.m. Central. Just search for Generation Red, subscribe, and then rate and review the show. It helps us get found. We are live right here on YouTube every Sunday afternoon or evening and on demand every single day after the stream has ended. The guys from the Husker CuzCast will be joining us next Sunday night at 7.30 p.m. Central, where we will go over the results from the 2022 over-under game we played back in August before the season started. 
You can find that old show right here on YouTube or on your podcast app. Just look for 2022 over under game. I think is the title. Anyway, that's wraps this show up. So on behalf of Brian from Husker army, we want to thank everyone for watching and listening, including you, Todd. And yeah, you too, Thomas. Um, <laughs> and until next time, he's Scott. I'm Ken together. We are not just generation red. We're family. And we believe that there is absolutely no place like Nebraska. Go big red. Iowa's corn sucks. Absolutely. Go big red, Brian. Go big red.